My guest today is Marin Altman, a professional astrologer and entrepreneur. Building up her brand to over 1 million TikTok followers and hundreds of thousands across other social media platforms, while focusing on political and financial astrology, she has plans to continue founding businesses such as her Stellium X software as a service marketing suite that is here to revolutionize the professional world for alternative industries. I met Marin through her mentioning my product, The Heart Bowl, on her Instagram and making the most delicious creations featuring the Red Bull on her YouTube channel. If you're curious about the Heart Bowl, you can check it out on myheartbowl.com and get your very own symbol of starting your day with self-love. It's a beautiful ceramic bowl that comes in red, green, and white. If you need recipe ideas, just head over to Marin's Instagram stories. She makes such incredible creations. On this episode, we talk about social media growth and what led Marin from being an NYU student and becoming a PhD dropout to run her businesses and social media full-time, consistency of showing up on social media and particularly YouTube, forming thick skin in the social media world, financial independence and decentralized finance or DeFi, astrology as a study of reality, astrology and cryptocurrency, the entrepreneurial side of social media, how Marin monetizes her social media presence. We cover merging esoteric approach to business and life with practical and self-love and rituals. Related episodes that cover YouTube, social media, and spirituality that I think you will enjoy quite a bit are number 25 with Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food and number 53 with Aileen Shu also known as founder of Lavender. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not financial advice. As always, you can find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com for all of the things that we mention on this episode. Before we dive into this conversation with Marin, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by one of my absolute go-to marketing tools, Tailwind. Pinterest scheduling with Tailwind helps you grow your business with more traffic so you can spend time doing what you love. You can create your pins right from your Tailwind dashboard. Tailwind Create is a brand new tool from Tailwind that allows you to create beautiful pins faster than ever before. You can generate, personalize, fine-tune, and schedule pins to drive traffic to your content in no time. If you haven't tried Tailwind yet, go to tailwindapp.com to get $30 off a paid plan. That's T-A-I-L-W-I-N-D-A-P-P.com slash woke and wired to get $30 off your paid plan. Welcome to Woke and Wired a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, 
and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Marin, so excited to have you on Woken Wired and so grateful for Hardball being the connection that introduced me to your world. Yes, thank you for having me on. I also am so glad because almost every morning that is what makes my breakfast picture so beautiful. So I thank you for that. So there are so many interesting, diverse topics that I am excited to cover with you today, but let's just start at the top. Your Instagram bio says you're personal poet for the stars, founder of Rossi Collective, and there is also a sign that I'm not sure how to read. So why don't we just start there? What is it that you actually do? What are the symbols in your bio and what's making you feel alive these days? Yeah. So personal poet for the stars was just kind of an alliteration play that came out of being an astrologer and also having a background in writing and feeling like even though a lot of what I do is less esoteric and more useful in a practical sense, I felt like I don't remember if someone called me this or if I just appropriated it myself in my head, but personal poet for the stars rang true to what I feel like I do. I'm translating what I see into practical guidance. And Rashi Collective is um, currently on hold, but was a project initiative I do plan to revive when I understand a bit more about the direction, where it's a Yelp for more alternative or metaphysical services where you can rate and review practitioners. I decided I wasn't completely clear on the direction that I wanted that to go in after I found what the next part of my bio makes sense with. But once I found cryptocurrency and therefore decentralized finance and more of this Web3 space, I realized that I wanted a bit more experience in the tech side of things before I fully understood what I wanted to build. And that little symbol also in my bio is Bitcoin because I am deep into Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space. So I have a little Bitcoin symbol there. What a perfect timing. I know that we scheduled this interview a couple of times and this is just so divinely orchestrated because my now husband just got into Bitcoin and has been talking <laughs> about it 24-7 for the past few weeks. We have been investing. We also just created our very first crystal digital art NFT. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> there's just so much happening in that world. And you are in such a beautiful and thought through way, pioneering, merging the mystical with the practical. And I think the Bitcoin topic and decentralized finance is such uh, such an interesting way to merge those worlds and actually make it practical in a way where down the line, those two interests together can create freedom, which is ultimately what we all want to do. Right, right, exactly. I said from the beginning of really growing online that I'm interested in astrology because I like studying the structure of reality, not because I'm particularly connected to the astronomy or someone who's very much like in tune with uh, planets in a more metaphysical way, but because I was a philosophy student and I just like understanding the structure and the way that we live. And upon finding finance and that being just the simple study of the transfer of value in the world, and then taking kind of moral issue with some of the logistics of that from my philosophy background, it was just a recipe to find 
crypto and decentralized finance, which is a way to provide more people with access. So I find both astrology and financial literacy to be really important um, ways of understanding the world that can lead to taking more responsibility in our own hands. So decentralized finance is such a broad topic that used mm. to not be you know, explored by the masses. And I think that all is on the precipice of change. I'm curious, how did you come across it? What is it about it that speaks to you? And how are you personally engaging with this new form of value? So decentralized finance is removing intermediary structures of power from people being able to transact. So for example, things like ACH, bank transfer, take days, wire transfers can take days, and things that are decentralized don't require all this red tape. And even the normal person, depending on the kind of job you have, you might have trouble opening a bank account. I have had friends who are sex workers or cannot provide that they have a really steady source of income and as a result have difficulty opening traditional bank accounts. So there's a centralized, literally it's called like the central bank essentially, especially for the US dollar and the Federal Reserve. And when there's that... Um, central locus of power. There just tends to be what I see as like a a buildup in and of itself of, over, it prevents efficiency in a way. Um, and these decentralized structures like exchanges and smart contracts and ways of transacting online that allow there to be, it removes the middle party or the intermediary that would be that central bank or that um, person reviewing things. I found that very important because when I was entering finance and the ethics focus, like philosophy student in me was like, this is ridiculous. Like money, similar to how church and state should be separated, I just think finance and state need to be separated. And I do know that technically in the US, the Federal Reserve is not the government, but in a lot of ways, there's no getting around that it incredibly is intertwined with that. So um, personally, I'm really passionate about a lot of the educational side of things, like when you learn around, when you can learn how to transact and carry cryptocurrency by yourself, it feels very empowering rather than having to have your money tied up in a way that is a disadvantage to you in some ways where um, interest rates in a bank in a savings account are not going to fight the rate of inflation. And so this world of decentralization and the ability to I, I like to joke and say, like, create monopoly money out of thin air because in some of these weird things uh, that I won't fully get into, but things like yield farming, where you're just kind of creating um, money in a way, it's it, it allows for just more empowerment in a system that for so long was guarded behind ridiculous jargon that makes things sound complicated when it's really not. Yeah, what you're pointing to, to me also, you know, mining Bitcoin, to me... Right like combining those concepts seemingly from very different worlds and then bringing them together to actually say you can do something on your computer and directly create money that is not somehow tied to the Federal Reserve, that you have complete control of, that value might rise in a way where traditional currency could never reach that. It's just so trippy in every way and I think is such a, an interesting place to be because I've always seen social media as this tool that allows us to transfer value, to build community, to make money in a way that's independent of 
cultural programming and other types of limiting beliefs that might be embedded in us as we're growing up, kind of breaking out from the systems of traditional paths that have been laid for a lot of young people up until now. And Bitcoin and all kinds of digital currency and NFT just takes it to a whole new level. And what it makes me wonder is I'm assuming that these kind of topics arise for people once you have money to invest. Once you start building wealth is when you start really questioning, should I be giving this to a bank or investing into IRA or whatever that is? Or is there an alternative way that is more reliable, that is more ethical? What was, in your case, the path to just finding this whole world and diving into it and also overlaying astrology on top of it? Yeah, I was in my final semester at New York University uh, about a year ago now, a little over a year ago. It would have been January, uh, February was when I was like, it's my last semester. I'm a very responsible person, but part of adulting that I don't feel like was ever taught to me in school, being an actor growing up and then switching to philosophy kind of randomly in college was anything financial. I'd taken some business management classes because I always saw myself more of an entrepreneur that happened to like the entrepreneurial side of social media, but I always saw myself, you know, wanting to lead in that way. So I took some business courses but never finance and had no absolute that's one of the things that I was just like, you know, you have no idea what you're doing and whether you're going on to grad school or whatever, this is something that you should learn about. So naturally I went online, I started reading the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I still recommend to almost all my friends, many of them who were extremely highly intelligent, uh exceptional competent people who Similarly, because they just weren't finance majors, don't know anything outside of why don't I put my money in a savings account and own a debit card? And that just didn't seem feasible to me as someone who wanted to be impactful. I knew that there was I knew that there was a different way. And I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and the most important thing I took from it was you want to own assets and not liabilities. Basically, you want to create things and own things in your life that are profit or value generating that can then continue to compound. And that led me to look into investing and kind of the small amount of money that I had saved with astrology clients throughout the years. I began to understand that I did want to invest that rather than hold it in a savings account. This basically happened in the midst of the March 2020 crash. I was like, this is what history is made of. You're investing everything. Because I mean, at that point, it was, I'm, I don't see it as high risk, high reward payoff. I see it as literally what is the reward that it would be a risk not to take the reward. And so I, at that point, didn't know about crypto, but I did start investing. Uh, funny story, I opened up my IRA incorrectly, put it all into Tesla, which ended up being great, but uh, that was not the intention at the time. I thought I was doing like one share and it was like the entire thing. I was like, oh, shoot which is fine. I did the same thing intentionally this year because if I have to own traditional stocks, I'm going to do that. But um, after the difficulty of realizing uh, that I hadn't set up my IRA correctly, I had done like accidentally set up three through TD Ameritrade. The difficulties of that had led me down a rabbit hole of like, 
the morals and issues of central banking systems and intermediaries. And that led me into Bitcoin and crypto. And this would have been around May, June when I started researching it, but didn't know that I was becoming obsessed with finance until it was like I was knee deep during the summer and just knowing everything I could, researching it nonstop. I religiously watched The Modern Investor on YouTube. And every day that was like what I did while like my morning walk was listening to The Modern Investor. And as it neared my birthday at the end of summer, I was like, okay, the bull run seems to me evident. Oh my God, you need to get in on this. And I had been seeing so many clients over the summer and just saying, keep this money kind of liquid for now. Don't invest it yet and analyze at the end of the summer. And I put it all into Bitcoin. I mean, I have, I'm pretty good with like making sure that I have a runway for emergency and everything, but I could not deny it. I saw what micro strategy and other large corporations were starting to do. And I don't try to be the little guy that competes with them. I want to join them. So I bought Bitcoin and I immediately kind of upon buying Bitcoin was like, this is not everything I'm going to do. So I went pretty heavily into Ethereum, understanding the differences of the use cases where Bitcoin is more of a store of value and it's something that I'm more philosophically aligned with. And then other things more are profit generation tools uh, like Ethereum. And then throughout the fall, got more into altcoins. And throughout the fall was when my videos on finance started blowing up more, I guess, because before then no one cared. And then all of a sudden, I guess the right algorithm found me I realized uh, kind of the extent of the culture around cryptocurrency and how literally there were people like me who were like memes and just like somehow are doing these really cool things, but are just like living, breathing memes. And it was incredible to find a community of people that I never really understood. I was so like, and uh, that has led me to, yeah, where I am today, where I am passionate about building things in this space now and having a lasting impact. Wow. So... You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the algorithm found me, but I also want to acknowledge and give a glimpse into the fact that you have been consistently producing content and developing a very complete and thought through brand for how many years up until that happened, you know? Yeah, I have been on social media for as long as I can remember having a phone, basically. So like I remember being, or an iPhone. So I remember being in sixth grade, being 12, getting like the old first iPhone because I grew up in a really techie family. My stepdad was a graphic designer and developer. So even though a lot of my other friends weren't allowed phones, it was like me, that was just part of the family. And I get a phone, I get Instagram, and pretty much from day one, I was posting. It wasn't like branded astrology content, but like I'd post about certain things, even if it was in the context of just me being like a 14, 15 year old, and very, but very like low key. Like people knew I was into astrology, but it wasn't as if I knew I could use social media for that. Um, but then in high school was when I more so started to do that. And then by the time I got to college, it was like all astrology and business related to that because kind of I was always my business. And so it just, it was not like I'm selling something inauthentic. It just lines up with me being that. And pretty con- so all of my social online group, footprint that you can find is going to be tied into astrology probably since like 2010. Uh, yeah, yeah. And astrology. I just, it was tick. Yeah, it was TikTok that then allowed that to become the quote overnight success, even though it was like all that building up. 
At what point looking back would you say that you actually sat down and decided to intentionally come up with strategy, you know, whether that was your YouTube schedule yeah. or more consistently developing your brand on Instagram? What when would you say that happened and what was the intention and thinking behind it? It was actually a YouTube strategy. It was fall, what was it? It would have been fall 2019. It would have been fall 2018. Fall 2018 because I found someone on YouTube named Sunny Leonard Doozy, who's an entrepreneur who has a has a, a course called YouTube for Bosses. And I knew that if I wanted to have my astrology reach people, I needed to find a platform that actually encouraged traffic. And Instagram doesn't really do that as much as it used to. So I got on YouTube and started doing forecasts and horoscope videos, and I knew that I needed a way to lever up in the algorithm, that I wasn't going to have one viral video from being like edgy or insane. I was going to need to build this. And Sunny Leonard Doozy, incredible YouTube channel. I've done both of her programs. Um, she has a basically a tutorial course on how to understand keywords script your videos, very, very informative for how to actually, you know, you can be authentic, but it has to, you you know, you don't know what you're, you have to find that authenticity in a way that is also uh, streamlined. Like it's not inauthentic to then sit down and script things and so forth. And so fall 2018, I started doing that. No one noticed. I mean, even with all her advice, no one noticed. It was like, I got used to get 50 to 75 views a video. And then all of a sudden I, I was doing that. And that was my strategy for Instagram was always like, how do I get people to my YouTube? And so every Instagram caption would be like more in this video. And it was all very authentic, but I did have a spider web growing and a backlog of hundreds of videos as a result that no one was seeing really until TikTok, which I joined literally as a joke once lockdown started, absolutely very quickly blew up because it meant that all that backlog that I could then reiterate into short form would actually reach people. Um, and with that came being approached by other people whose expertise is branding and marketing that I could still be me totally. And they would just know how to do that, how to place it in the context in the eyes in a lucrative way. So it's so easy to look at what you've created now to look at 1 million followers on TikTok or some of your top videos on YouTube and think, wow, you know, she's blown up. She's viral on multiple platforms. You know, of course, anything Marin touches now is going to do well which is not even true because we're here to play and experiment and try different things and there's never guarantee. But what I want to tap into is wh how did you not stop when you were seeing those 50, 70 views? You know, I, I love Sunny Leonard Doozy. I love that you're bringing her up. Once I started following some of her advice, my videos started getting a lot more views, you know, like truly doing the keyword research and putting the work that it takes in the back end makes such a difference. And it's so easy to get discouraged when you put all of that work into the back end and then you get 50 to 70 views. And I see so many people start and then after a few weeks of getting no external feedback, just, you know, make up a story that this is not meant to be and give up. So what was it that kept you going and kept you so committed to showing up? I can think of two things. And the first one that I'm now realizing is not other people was... I remember growing up listening to Britney Spears and Enrique Iglesias. Those are my two favorite artists. It's like a really little kid. And I would hear them and I would dance in my room and I would have my um, siblings or my parents just be like, that's going to be you one day, like out, like getting the attention or doing whatever. And I was an actor and I was like, yeah, that's going to be me. And 
I was convicted in that. I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to do it one day. But I also thought that everyone thought that. And therefore, you don't have to like really say much about that. Like, I thought that everyone thought deep down that they were going to go viral and that that was like everyone and that some of us would and most of us wouldn't and that it was just cute that I could hold that. Uh, So it was that through line, I think at the the core that was, I think I'm always going to make it, but I think everyone thinks it, but I think it too. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep thinking it. And the other part was that I honestly loved content as soon as I started. And it was this really, really awkward training wheel period for a year or two, but I loved it. And I always knew in my acting career that I translated better on camera than in real life. And even though I don't like to see or watch myself, I could see that I was providing, like at the time it would be like one comment or DM and that would make my day. Like one person saying, I got something out of this. Even if sometimes I'm like really bashful and I'm like, I don't know how to respond or be like, oh my God, this means the world to me back. It did. So the internal conviction coupled with just the small things. I mean, I can still say to this day that first year of creating content, being a student, having no eyes on me and just being like, this is me, like derp, I'm a meme. That that was the happiest, most beautiful time of my life. And now looking back at, it's been about a year on TikTok, what you would say? Yeah, it was a year that I started TikTok. And then immediately, for some weird reason, my first account was shadow banned. So I took like four months of just barely or not four months, probably two months of like barely posting during the summer and then created a new account in October. And that's when things blew up. But officially, yeah, a year I joined TikTok. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from growing there? And anything else that's come up to your attention? Very, very quickly, oh my god, the amount of thick skin you have to form because I just, it was very easy for me to form a thick skin around people in real life just due to kind of situations growing up and being very, very openly, like growing up in a community where I was outspokenly different but didn't necessarily look outspokenly different uh, and so I didn't fit in with the people that were very nonconformist but I also didn't really fit in with the completely normal people so it was um, I just grew up being like no one's gonna understand me and I'm gonna say it anyway because I feel convicted to bring this up um, but when you're online and you can be taken in so many different ways especially if you're doing something on like politics or finance where even if you're not commenting on your personal views, but you're delineating what you see, the amount at which that can stir the pot and garner um, so many points of view just had me learn extremely quickly that I had no idea what I was in for. And going from zero to a million followers in the last six months was just, at least with the freshness in my mind, the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. And that is something that they really like, like care for what you wish for kind of thing. It's, it's, it's another level. And the amount of energy I can now have with compassion for any sort of politician, public figure, whatever, is like, I don't care who you are. I um, can now understand the kind of insane energetic load that you then have to quickly upgrade to carry with that. And that's the one thing I had no idea because you think it's all, oh my God, I'm getting so many likes. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden it's just like you have your bad days. And that is something that I don't think should be seen as a woe is me because when I see other influencers speaking about it, sometimes they can get a lot of flack and be like, just be taken the wrong way. But rather that 
that's something that I would have wanted to know more explicitly early on is that um, the, the highs will be higher, but the lows will be a lot lower just because of the amount of energy involved. And now at this point, it's becoming uh, e- easier just through exposure therapy. But that's what I would most have wanted to know is that anytime you're growing on a social platform, you have to accommodate to hold an amount of energy that is inhuman. And the, the, no, like you're not genetically designed to hold that amount of like up and down. Yeah. I think we're going to evolve to be able to hold that, but you're right. We're not bound that way right now. You mentioned exposure therapy. What is that? The more that you get accustomed to something, the less of an impact it'll have. So I think a lot about the, I was a psychology minor in college uh, and I took I I was like one credit away from a major because I loved it like philosophy. But what stuck with me was this idea of the hedonic treadmill where no matter how high you go and no matter how low you go, your body and your mind will not let you stay at that unsustainable level of energy. Like it doesn't matter if you win the lottery or if your entire family like dies in a plane crash, that that will be difficult or very great for an amount of time and you will have to go back to center. So the more that you are sustaining above or below, sure, that's going to be a pull on your morale and your psyche, but you will have to go back to center. And the saying like this too shall pass, like the more you're exposed to a stimulus, the less extreme that exposure is. So what once would have been, oh my God, my entire day is ruined from one hate comment can turn into hundreds of thousands. And it's just like, who are these anonymous accounts and these people? These don't know me. I am safe and I'm in my body right now. And it's remembering what's really important. It's remembering what's really important and also probably setting some sort of boundaries. I'm curious what that looks like for you with different platforms. Yeah, this was something that was huge for me to learn because I still am learning, but I was making six to 14 TikToks a day because I was so obsessed with one day it will feel like enough. And it's been a through line in my entire life that I will close off my entire connection to other people. I will grind as hard as I can in one direction. Like I just was extremely obsessed with performing well in school when no one around me really cared. I was not in a strict family or a group of friends that really measured that. But growing up, I was obsessed with with doing well in school. Then I got to college and I didn't even really mean to, but I graduated early because I was so obsessed with like, I want to really take advantage of as many courses as I can. And once I then started getting traction on social media, the same thing was like, all you're going to do is script in the morning and film at at night. And that was not healthy boundary wise. And it's just completely, I didn't ever burn out, so to speak, but it got to the point where you get to an existential crisis of who cares? And there's just a big wake up call. And reading comments is still something that on more difficult days, I do find myself reading everything I can and reading every forum I can. And it's like this addiction to thinking that if I feel enough of the pain of the hate, that it'll be enough. And I have to draw boundaries and say that there's no enoughness. That's a myth. There is here and now, will this help me in my healing and my knowledge and my growth? And I have to ask that multiple times a day because it is so easy, at least for someone who has a rabbit hole kind of energy to work hard and put out a lot and also get into a spiral. So my boundaries are if I feel myself spiraling in a direction that's not healthy, I have to sit down and ask myself, is this going to help my growth? (laughs) Is this content that's valuable to the world or am I just trying to garner clicks and views? And that's led to now really much more maturation of content. That means less views, but I feel better about. 
Gold, jackpot right there. You know, this message of doing something that is just so in alignment with the medicine, with the unique medicine that we were brought here to deliver in this lifetime and this body, more so than seeing certain numbers as a result of putting it out there, whether that's number of likes and comments or numbers in the bank. I think life is a game of finding a balance between all of those things. And it's okay if some days one of them is leading and the other one's behind. And they kind of take turns in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I struggled for a while with the concept of balance because I am someone that is just my, when I think of like how I made up my like Ayurvedic doshas, like I'm just very, very pitta with some vata as well. But like I'm very, very go, 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 assertive, masculine. And it doesn't mean that I have to suddenly form a kind of feminine energy or slow down in a way that's inauthentic to me. But it does mean that being aware of that tendency to overexert fire. And I can even tell like in my body and my everything when that's picking up, it's all aligned and finding what my sweet spot is. And in the way that my sweet spot should be a moving goalpost. I think of myself in terms of like a financial market sense where (laughs) it might go up over time, but there's corrections. There's times where you really go up, but you know, you're going to have to come down. So can't go up forever. It might go up in the long run, but every little increment might be different. You mentioned that growing up, you felt different. What what was that like? Very, very early on in life, I had to, I don't remember this happening, but I do know that I would have had to quickly have a stiff upper lip and grow up because I grew up around a pretty unstable, abusive, alcoholic mother. And the difference in me that I viewed around other kids was that I was used to being on the defensive and covering and making sure that everything looked fine and stable, not only to the outside, but to Um, My dad, who was divorced from my mom, who had really no idea what was going on because I just didn't want the humiliation or pity and I wanted to seem like everything was fine. So I felt different in the hyper-awareness and hyper-control that I felt like I had to execute in my life. And that did lead me to perform very well early on and to be good at turning it on, I would say, when I needed to and covering for my mom, for other things in my life that were falling apart as a result. And so I felt overly conscientious and overly aware, and that led me to a point where I was aware of how differing some of my opinions were growing up in Texas in a not like, I would say, conservative community of conservative community on the front, but people that didn't really feel that way deep down. And I might have been the only one asking the questions to let people be able to say, yeah, I don't really agree with this. Very, very thankful about where I grew up and all, but it definitely was a lot of debating and uh, conversational. (laughs) I would bring up religion and politics at the table because I was just like, I at a very young age was like, do I want to live or not? And my agreement was that if you do, you're going to have an impact and you're going to bring things up. So the difference that I felt that I now see, most people are more like me than not. It was just that I was a bit more outspoken about it was, I only have so little time, so I'm not going to hide from demonstrating how aware I am of different dynamics when those don't make sense. Yes, so much power there. And I'm called to ask you, how do you think all of that impacted the brand that you've created? Because you have very recognizable visual storytelling. You know, the co- I talk about this a lot with my community and my students. I think we're all moving into a place where we're called to step up how we present ourselves visually and take it with a little more play 
because the internet from where I've seen it go has gone from being very kind of aspirational luxury, something that most people couldn't reach for, but wanted. Then it moved into, oh, let's just be real and show our authentic side and crying selfie in the bathroom, like sometimes to a point of manufactured authenticity. And I think now we're moving into a space where we are all invited to be present to the digital avatars that our online personas are, and that it's okay that we're only curating a part and a piece of ourselves that will have the most impact. And it's okay not to share all of our personal life and what we stand for. And I'm curious what your take on that is with how you've developed your online presence. Yeah, the good thing was that because in this weird way, I grew up being so aware of mortality because it was at a very, I remember I had to be taken to the the school counselor when I was like six, because really logically I was like, well, what is the, I didn't realize how utilitarian I was, but I was like, what is the point in living? Like asking very, very (laughs) provocative questions just because I was so aware of if I have to stay with my mom until I'm 18 or whatever, is that worth it in the context of the rest of my life? And so because I didn't know that, I very, very early on had this kind of I don't know how much longer I want to be here. So I'm going to make every day count, not with me feeling too great, but with wanting an impact. And that means that when people are like, is this the real you? Like, are you like, I just feel like a lot of the way I present myself is the familiarity with the extremes of where I let myself end up conversationally and where I let myself end up going just at a very young age with red and black and white feeling like that just fits. Naturally, I have pretty normal light brown hair and it's just not that exciting and I dye it red and black and I'm covered in tattoos and it's not at all the persona is is me the pictures are me I have people asking do you look like that in real life and my people who know me in real life are like yeah literally down to like very little you don't have to even like do much with a preset like that's how the photo is and it feels very effortless where any branding is just, let me find a font that complements this. It is lucky that there is a space where like online extremes work very well. And so it's lucky that I happen to feel very authentic in the falsity of these extremes. And I love places like New York and like Dubai, where also just this like extreme kind of articulation and this way of presenting oneself can be celebrated because for me at least it felt effortless and I think that that's how the way it should be where when you think of branding I mean it can take a bit of movement to get it going but it should be something that feels just like very in line with feeling excited about the aesthetics of what it's like because it was (laughs) very easy for me and even as like right now I'm just in like my sweatpants and whatever around the house but it's red black and white so it's very authentically easy and I love that visual of how branding can be so easy and natural and I think setting up our revenue streams in a way that's fully in alignment with our gifts and what we're sharing and teaching can be that way too and I'm curious about your experience with what was the trajectory of when you started doing astrology readings and charging for them? And at what point did you decide to open up your own online community and school? And what do your revenue streams look like today? Yeah. Funny enough, I don't remember the time when I, like, 
when I started really, really offering readings in high school, I just remember other people when they would do services, like it was pretty normal to pay each other like $20, $30 for whatever you offer the other person, whether I had friends that did like nail art or like graphic design. And I was the person giving astrology consultations at parties and sleepovers. So by the time I was like 14, I was used to making like $20, $30 for 30 minute hour long discussion with someone. And by the time I got to being like 16, 17, it's funny because I, at that point, I didn't really drink, but I had a fake ID. So people would pay me to buy alcohol and I would charge a premium for an astrology reading when they would be like drunk at the party. So I had like a big, like at that point, it was like I could make like $100 a weekend of just like that whole execution. And that led to once I got to college being like, okay, well, I'm not around people from my high school word of mouth anymore. I have a couple grand saved up from that, not really doing anything. I can buy a domain and ha- host a site. Like, that's fine. And still for like the first two years of my college experience, it was just word of mouth and kind of just clients. And it was very simple, but I just had no reason to really spend the money that much. I've never been a big spender. And so I saved it. And then once social media blew up, it then became my clients went from like, I mean, I was seeing three clients a day, six days a week for months. And all I wanted to do was I'm going to build this up enough enough to buy assets so that I can then have like cash flow related assets. And that was basically Bitcoin for me. I have not cashed out anything other than like some, I hold most of it. I do day trade some, even though now I'm mostly into altcoins. But my revenue streams went from purely labor, which would have been that that astrology readings, to then operating a business and having content and memberships that are paid that then generate more revenue and more value than I'd be able to do one-on-one with exclusive like videos and things like that or monthly offerings that do take being part of that membership to be in. I do make some through social media platforms themselves. I think from the outside, you can overassume how much platforms generate because even me getting hundreds of thousands to millions of views, it's not, that would not be livable, at least in like New York. Like that's definitely not going to, even on YouTube and that combined, just AdSense itself is not that particularly much. And with also like sponsorships, I just don't take very many at all. Usually if I am integrating something, it's a referral link to a product I use, not even like a sponsored link. So I don't even know. I'm just not in the niche to where that's like a huge, huge thing. And so at this point, most of my revenue is coming from membership. However, I'm also in the investment space for like private companies where I am used to locking up almost everything that I have into another like private endeavor and then getting that back and kind of multiplying it. So it's a lot of arbitrage of like not having liquid access to my money, but knowing that it's there, that the liquidity comes from okay, memberships, consultations and whatnot, because I'm not open to the public, but I have some like companies that I consult for. And then on the back end, more of helping out companies and things that I'm passionate about. What is your thinking around not really taking on brand partnerships? I just don't get that many where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm aware using you. Like the ones that I have taken on have been some DeFi projects that I do use and that I'm like stoked to be able to be like, I use this decentralized exchange. Like that's cool. Or I use this domain. I just don't, the, I don't know. I, I, I don't get approached by like skinny teas or Thrive Market. That would be one that I take on because I use Thrive Market. But 
I feel like I'm in a weird niche where the crypto space is just emerging with partnerships and things like that. And traditional partnerships that I'm reaching out to, especially if it's like fast fashion or like a, I don't I sometimes it's even like a non-vegan food brand. I'm like, did you really like just what? Um, like, did you like do any background research? I don't know. Not only am I not incentivized because it would hurt my my brand, but I just don't, I don't even end up in the situation. Yeah. And also all the things that you're doing, there's such a better long-term investment because brand partnerships, they bring cash flow in the now, but there is no guarantee in having that pay off anytime after the contract is over at all. Right, right. I think of it like an investment in in the brand. And I think it's, I don't know, I'm very open about this side of the business and it's just been like, <laughs> I don't know, I get a, there are certain crypto companies and things that totally like I've worked with them in the past or currently, and I'm open about it because I'm like, I use this exchange, like this is dope, but I've never been in a position to be like, I'm going to accept this and I don't even know what this is. Right. I'm just immediately, you know, thinking there's so much more that's possible. You know, you use camera every day. What if that camera brand becomes your sponsor and you sign a contract for a year or the mic that you use to record your podcast or the clothing that you wear every day or the makeup? There's just so many possibilities. So, you know, just putting it out there. If a super aligned brand hears this and wants to reach out, (laughs) it's always worth the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I jokingly am always like this coin or this token should sponsor me. And then occasionally I'll like actually get someone on the team who's like, we don't know how we would do that. But uh, thank you for the video. (laughs) Like, cool. (laughs) Right. A lot of those spaces, they need education. And I got to be honest with you, when you said altcoins, I had to Google that because (laughs) I thought maybe you have your own coin, you know, (laughs) like a lot of people are talking about when you build a certain amount of audience, it's time to create your own coin. Have you thought about that? At the very beginning, when I entered crypto, jokingly, I was like, I'm going to create a Marin coin. Uh, you learn very quickly that the SEC, you, you will go to prison. You will go to prison. Like, so, Soldier Boy did not know what he was saying. And he's like, Soldier Coin on the way. And like, this viral tweet blew up as a reply. And it was like, I too enjoy prison. And it's just oh funny because if you, if you try to tokenize yourself, oh my God, in the US, I mean, I'm already trying to set up some companies and projects. And the amount of like, Like, it's just very funny trying to legally just create a project and make sure that you don't end up in a situation where you're like, it's a wild way to, uh, there's both laws and regulations that apply, but don't really apply because they're not meant for crypto. And so it's quite the endeavor, but uh, creating a token, if that's a security, I mean, look at XRP. So there will never be a Marin coin. Yeah. That's so fascinating. The soldier boy tweet. (laughs) Two more questions for you, man, before we wrap up. One is for someone, people who listen to this podcast, everyone listening to this now is our explorers on the edge between the esoteric and practical and diving in between the seen realm and the unseen realm and creating an abundant life in every way and a self-expressed and creative life is a new vision in a way where it can be natural. Like you said, you know, when you're thinking about your brand, it comes naturally. When you were charging for your work, it just, it's like you're guided every step of the way. What would you say to someone who's listening and just feels ready to be seen in the next, in in a next level way? I would say that your excitement will never fail. The times when I have not felt aligned or just not done direct excitement have been when things don't 
generally end up in the long run being like I found that useful. So as weird as my excitement led me to, like it led me to finance, never in a million years would have led me to finance and probably wanting to live in the UAE. Never in a million years would an actor from Houston, Texas ever think that that would lead me there. My excitement led me there. And the simplest path to all this is I say, just follow your excitement. And up-leveling can be so, so simple when you don't complicate it. And whether that is the practical or the esoteric, because I found for me that what excites me is not the woo. It's the, I don't know, the, the meme coins and things like that, which is just incredibly weird. But Follow your excitement because it's only going to make sense to you and life is too short not to literally just be like, I'm going to do me because it doesn't matter if anyone understands or gets it or not, you're here to do you. Yes, yes, yes. So on board with that. And my final question is, you talk about making it count. And also we started the conversation talking about the beautiful, beautiful breakfasts you make in the heart bowl. And that leads me to asking you about how do you practice self-love, you know, in simple daily rituals? And what does making it count mean to you in simple daily actions and rituals? Making it count to me means that when I look back, it's something that I would do over and over again. I think in terms of Nietzsche's idea of eternal recurrence, where even though we can't, we should be living a life that we would be willing to live over and over again, not because it's not painful, but because that internal justification makes the cycle worth it. And my little rich, it doesn't matter if I, I'm working on a book or if it was my past books or anything that it's like, damn, I did it. That is honestly not, I don't, the things I look forward to are waking up, my yoga, my cycling, making my favorite breakfast in my heart bowl, and then being like, that's so cute. Like, even if it's just me and I don't take the picture, I usually do because it's like, I can't resist. But those little things that add up into being in a mental position to create the big things that I'm proud of are the most important. It all adds up. So making it count is doing what here and now you would be proud to do over and over again because of the intention that you put behind it. I love that so much. And Before we officially wrap up, Marin, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? I would say that social media for you doesn't have to be how you see it for anyone else. And my path involved a lot of reinventing the wheel and not having a specific person that I was like, this is my quote competitor or role model or anything that... I think we're still in the early days, personally. Like when we look at it, I feel like not just social media, but even thinking about finance, like the way that you make, manage, and hold your finances in your life is kind of an art and it's creative with now all the options that the world truly is like your oyster. You have your own compass and don't let anyone take that from you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Marin. What is the best way for everyone to connect with you and watch your work in the Bitcoin and altcoin space and everywhere else? All social media is Marin Altman, my name. There's like no fakes. It's just Marin Altman. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Marin, thank you so much for doing what you do, for being an embodiment of being this human that follows your path so courageously and for expressing your findings and sharing your path with all of us on social media. Thank you so much for having me on today. Have an awesome rest of your evening. Thank you. 